Hi, I'm Matthew Viriapa, and this is Songwriters and Tour Writers. On this episode is Jason Scott and the High Heat. It's a dark and late night heat. Jason Scott and the High Heat are an Oklahoma band fronted by singer-songwriter Jason Scott. Jason grew up Pentecostal and was once a youth and worship pastor. Now as a musician, he is writing songs while his bandmates joke about him never having heard songs like Stairway to Heaven before. Their latest album, Castle Rock, is named after the Colorado town Jason moved to after his parents' divorce. The landscape of the album spans from its namesake in Colorado to mentions of Cleveland County and Fort Worth, with sounds equally as expansive. In this episode, I spoke to Jason and other members of the High Heat, Ryan and Gabriel, a few days before the album came out earlier this year, about showing Jason new songs he hadn't heard before and putting a spin on traditional sounds. I'm Jason Scott. Uh, I play guitars and, and do most of the singing and writing. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Uh, I'm Ryan, um, bass player. And uh, yeah, do anything we can do to support Jason and his songwriting and keep the train rolling forward. He takes pictures. Uh, he does like Bob Vance auto <laughs> commercials. <laughs> <laughs> We all try to contribute no, sure. whatever it's, our, uh, we may have a little bit of skill in other areas. We try to uh, push that towards the band if it helps with videos, photos, um, you know, social media, uh, design stuff. We're all trying to wear as many hats as we can, being that we're uh, on still a local level with, you know, no no label, no funding. So all funded, we're self and crowdfunded. Yeah. And I'm Gabe. I play guitar. I have no other skills. <laughs> I bring nothing else to the table and I can barely play the guitar. So, <laughs> Oh, that's true. No, nah, it's not true. Gabe, that Gabe does a lot with um, our social media, really helping us when we rebranded um, getting our Instagram on par, our website, um, really putting together uh, some photo shoots for us. Um, stuff that, you know, musicians don't always want to do. You, you know, the business side is, is, is not always sexy, but, um it's obviously necessary and we kind of have to stay on top of it and it's really helpful to have somebody that you know is geared towards doing that so we appreciate that uh god uncle to my boys god uncle to my boys (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you guys are uh you guys are under this name uh jason scott and the high heat but it seems like the the and the high heat was kind of a a last minute (laughs) decision at least relatively uh how'd you guys land on that name by literally going through 8,000 other names. <laughs> yeah, band names are really weird. I, I just don't think many band names are cool. Like even like classic ones, like the Beatles just aren't. It's, I mean, what are what is that? What does that mean? Um, and so it was just kind of just like picking something and sticking with it. And I also saw Ryan in the mirror one day and I was like, that's some high heat right there. It's also a setting on my dryer, um, which yeah, I think is yeah. <laughs> as relevant as any of the other explanations. It's really about getting a name that you don't cringe when you tell people what your name is. And that's about as best as you can get. And I feel like this has the, been the least cringeworthy name that any of us have come up with. So we were like, all right, that's it. Let's do it. 
You didn't you didn't like dad behavior? Yeah, no, I mean uh <laughs> dad behavior. That was a close but... second, but yeah, what were some of the, the other names that you guys were thinking of? Oh my goodness. Uh what were what were the what were in the run? There was a uh, the the big city, Jason Scott in the big city. Oh yeah. Beyond. I still kinda like that. I kinda like that one. Um I would have I, I wouldn't have been upset if that, that happened to be the name, but Scott's Tots. Scott's Tots was one. <laughs> Yes, that was a personal one of mine. I don't know if that was ever in the running, but I liked it. I think I deleted my list after we decided, but we had we had a bunch. <laughs> had PTSD from all that. Big City sounds like a Jersey band. I don't know. It gives me like yeah. Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. The E Street Band. Yeah, we, we, I think too. We kind of wanted to like we, we all of us are kind of into fashion in different ways. Uh, and uh, high, you know, we've got a bunch of different marketing ideas for for the name High Heat. It's a baseball reference. It's a, a weed reference. It's it's a, a drier setting reference. So we got we got <laughs> we felt like we could, we could market it in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, you got angles. Yeah, we got yeah, some yeah. angles. Well, uh, this upcoming album is uh, called uh, Castle Rock. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you you guys had previously like set the release for like a year ago right uh what is it like to finally get this album out yeah uh it's i'm sure it's relieving on on jason's end for sure all of us as well but i think some of these songs um date back way more than a couple years um i'm not a songwriter but i would imagine if i was i'd i'd be ready to move on way sooner than you know a couple years after so i think it's probably a I don't speak for you, Jason, but good to get them out and get on to the next thing. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we're it's funny. We're playing Magnolia Motor Lounge here with Caitlin Butts uh, on the 10th. And like, is it two years ago now? Or was it 21? No, it was 2020. Or was it 20? It was 2020. So almost two years ago, we in March, we were at Magnolia Motor Lounge. It was like we were about to release the record and we had some gigs lined up and some touring lined up. And then, you know, the, the whole the whole pandemic happened. <clears throat> and now it's kind of gone full circle. And we're playing Magnolia Motor Lounge and there might actually be some people there. <laughs> I mean, it was dead. There there was nobody. Yeah, there. Yeah. It was like <laughs> it was like the day after the Thunder game got canceled. So it was like the day everything shut down, we all each had like individual hand sanitizers. We didn't know what to do. And like, I don't know. It's funny now. Yeah. Releasing the record there. If there's more than two bartenders, we'll have a bigger crowd than last time. So <laughs> the bar is low for that. I'm so glad we waited though. I mean, cause you know, all this time and effort, if we had released it in 2020, like I just went ahead with it, it would have just, you know, It'd be off into the ether at this point. Mm -hmm. It sucked while it happened, but now it's all, it's, you know, for the best, I think. I mean, honestly, pandemic or not, if we had released in 2020, we didn't have um, a lot of this foundation. We didn't have the band name. We didn't have some of this PR and um, some of the help that we've gotten since then, this Kickstarter and stuff. So I think we would have released it and it would have, you know, definitely disappeared into all the other local stuff at least i think now we have a little bit of a chance of standing out a little bit with um with some of the stuff that we've um some of the help we've gotten uh in the last two years which has been pretty huge and just the work that we've done too we've had two years to plan it out 
you guys have this video that you recorded at a tower theater in Oklahoma City. Uh, it must have been incredible, like just seeing that crowd. Like it looked like a fun show. It was good. That was one of it's one of my top shows that we've played. All of that video was just thrown together too. I mean, like last minute, will you put our name on the market? Like all of it was very last minute, and it turned out to be incredible. for being here tonight ladies and gentlemen you look good out there we just kind of had a there was like a carefree kind of energy that night i'd like to introduce for the very fucking first time ladies and gents the high heat my band up here and we even got it on the marquee out there we got our duds on and uh mm -hmm. we're just gonna go out there and get it bought a first class ticket on a midnight plane yeah i think people are just like kind of when they go to a show they like are super amped now yeah i know i am <laughs> yeah the pandemic definitely created a, a appreciation for uh the stuff that we missed out on for over a year um really just the, those connections i mean you can you can live stream stuff all day long and and do stuff like this, but it's it'll never take the place of being in a room and just feeling that energy. Feeling that bass, you know man. Feeling that bass. <laughs> Making that cake. So the album is uh, named after the town that uh, you had moved to after living in Oklahoma, Jason, right? Yeah, uh, I was 12, 13, somewhere in there. My parents had split up and I, I moved with my mom to Colorado. Uh, you know, I was kind of like, <laughs> I know this is silly, but I wasn't like going through puberty then. Like a whole bunch of shit was changing in my life and and my parents got divorced and and it was a whole new town. And to be honest, I was like, I was very into it. You know, I had had this one setting and environment, my whole upbringing. And suddenly this, my whole world like changed. I, I got a lot more freedom just because of my parent, what, you know, what my parents were dealing with and to get that in a new town and with, you know, at a new school and Colorado is a lot different than Oklahoma. I mean, even then. Well, right out of the sky came a curious kid. Sticking alphabet letters to the mini fridge Singing flying purple people ears Waiting on his voice to change It turned 16, he all entrepreneur Got himself a job down in the In-N-Out Burger He was mixing mixtapes in with the orders Somebody called and complained It was definitely uh, one of those periods in your life that you always remember and reflect on and, and know that you know, part of who you are was shaped in, in that time frame and in that place. So it felt like a good way to do this uh, record, this full length that we've finally gotten done and out there. 
So when did the, like I had read that you were planning on becoming like a, a youth pastor? <laughs> I was a youth pastor, dude. Okay. That, that was in Oklahoma then? Yeah, that was here. Uh, when I got back, uh, I, I kind of got back. I was raised Pentecostal. So um, there, after a few years, I, I got back into, into church uh, where my dad was at, at a new place. And from there, just kind of grew in the church, uh, youth pastor. I was the worship pastor for several years, and I was doing a little bit of preaching and evangelizing. I, I sort of saw myself as as that that, that was going to be my you know career and, or lifestyle or my calling is what we called it. And then, I mean, I met my wife there. We got married. I mean, married there. Had a couple of kids there, and then I was I no longer there. I left. I left church uh, just altogether. Uh, church faith all of it um when i was like 27 or something it was right after my first son was born yeah so growing up pentecostal you weren't listening to a lot of like secular music then oh yeah not much yes we make fun of jason when he doesn't know like a very common song or band even even nowadays we're like you haven't heard of this springsteen guy <laughs> literally stairway to heaven like <laughs> like a song like that he's never heard it's pretty funny I've heard it. I got the I got the vinyl. <laughs> I will say I'm very thankful for all the all the guys, all the people. It's not just you guys. I mean, I, there's been so many of my friends and people since I've left church. I had a period of time too, like I said, when my parents got divorced, where I was listening to secular music. But from you know birth to when that happened, it, I was pretty restricted. Uh, t no TV, all all that stuff. So mm. going back and watching the Goonies as a 20 year old, you're like, this is kind of corny. Uh, I don't. I don't really get it. But everybody else, it's like that's that was their childhood. Our parents, they want the best of stuff for us. But right now, they gotta do what's right for them, cause it's their time, their time, up there, down here. It's our time. It's our time down here. I remember like having to sneak. We lived with my grandma and my uncle lived with, with us when we were growing up. My dad worked like three jobs. It was a pretty low income family. And I used to sneak into my uncle's Bronco with him. And he, he was kind of always the non-church, the rebel, still is. And he'd let me listen to like old country and uh, you know whatever was on the radio.
And I remember that was kind of part of like recording the album. Taylor, our other guitar player, and like who helped produce it with Jason, um, he would like give them old reference tracks of like Led Zeppelin songs that, like, we kind of asked like, "What do you want this to sound like?" And he'd be like, "Do you want to sound like this Led Zeppelin song?" Jason would be like, "I don't fucking know what that sounds like." Yeah, I was gonna say like it's so crazy, but I'm also kind of envious where it's like. There's so many albums that I'd love to re- re-listen to for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could probably, it could be an advantage too, to, to where, you know, you hear people that have, are so heavily influenced by their favorite band and, and they kind of a carbon copy, but I think it's kind of cool that for Jason, it's like, he's, he's pulling inspiration from other things, not, not songs he's heard for 20 years, you know? And so maybe there's sometimes an originality with that, you know? And, you know, you're, you're still a sponge. I mean, we all are, but it is kind of cool to, to take that into the adult as well. I know, I know just rep, just stuff that you guys have had to have turned me on to is influenced heavily. This next record that we're working on right now, we've got a bunch of demos in the bag, hoping to have another record out uh, maybe 2023. Um, for sure. The whole sound of that and the writing has been influenced by all of, all of you guys' suggestions for, for, what, what's the next group I should go listen to? Yeah, uh, what kind of stuff were you listening for Castle Rock? Like, what influences did you have? What kind of Led Zeppelin tracks was Taylor, like, throwing at you? Like, Tanger- Tangerine was, uh, I-, I hadn't heard that way back then. He turned me on to the Muswell Hill Billies is like the kinks if you haven't heard that record you should listen to it. it's like it's like all kind of country and it's like a british take on on american politics and our just way of life it's it's a great record you should definitely check it out Um, kind of that guitar playing and dude uh, Wilco is another another huge one who I hadn't listened to hardly at all and listened to a lot of that and I don't know what song necessarily influenced one of the ones on the records but I was just listening to a lot and still in of stuff then did you write many of these songs based on your own life or experiences um like was Quentin time related to your time as a youth pastor then I think all of these have little pieces of, of my past and influence from that. I don't think I had anything in my head necessarily while writing Quitting Time. I just was, you know, t- I, I'd worked at a desk job for like eight years at a place called Avaya, and it was just, I got laid off. I finally got laid off, if I could say it that way. Like, the money was, was good enough that I couldn't quit. It was kind of a blessing in disguise. I bet he ain't the one been peeling off his clothes every night Well, out here swinging these hammers Just trying to chip a nickel off the company dime I swear the time clock must be punched strong these days they go on for years Anybody who's set, been staring at the clock all day waiting, waiting to get off work and living for the weekends, that's where that song came from, just frustration doing a job you don't like because you have to do it. Hey, my, my. Stay on, make this kind of- 
lot of a lot of Castle Rock was before Taylor came on board was already we already had structures and we already had we started recording here actually in, in this room I'm in right now a lot of it we had to redo a lot of it just because he has such a, a way better setup and studio but a lot of it started here and he came on kind of at the at the back end we had some band member changes and stuff like that um, but this next group of songs are even I'm even more influenced by all of us for sure. Yeah, uh, where where are you right now? Like, uh, where did you record like those initial versions? I'm in my backyard. I have this little outbuilding. Uh, it's I've had it for for many years. This is where me and my boys come out and just rage jam. But uh, I got I I record. Uh, um, I did Carter Sampson's record in here, and I've I've done uh, a couple of other records, Nelly Clay, and then I'm like I'm helping Buffalo Rogers, which is another local artist here with some stuff. It's it's not big enough to do full band stuff, but certainly a great little demo space. So what was it like going to re- record uh, Castle Rock? Was it like all you guys in there? You said it wasn't big enough for a full band, but like there's such a full band sound for this final recording. Taylor was had a huge hand in that. Like I said, we started a lot of stuff here, even tracked drums here. I know we tracked them a lot of your bass here, Ryan, a lot of my like bed guitars and stuff like that were done here and then we replaced i think we replaced almost all the drums um and then and probably a few bass tracks too gabe and auxiliary stuff uh we either you know farmed that out or they, or they came into the studio i think we had a couple ryan jones played uh some keys on me and marianne and he just sent in some files the rest was all done at, at taylor's and mixed there most importantly i mean he's the sound behind this for sure yeah he's over at a uh, lunar, lunar manor I recorded most of the vocals for Castle Rock in the basement of my cousin's uh, uh, house in Colorado, just in, like in a bedroom. Most of the lead vocals are bedroom tracks. I think I read that while you were in Colorado, it was like for a whole bunch of wedding wedding band kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I have a, a company. We do like like a duo type of thing, live music and, and for weddings kind of all over the Midwest. Um, that's been a huge part of the funding for this record to be honest um because weddings weddings they pay a little bit better than the bar gigs yeah well it's, it seems like it led to some material on this album wasn't fort yeah fort worth written for a couple like a commission yeah from fort worth one of the things we do with string and sound is uh write songs for couples they give us some background story and we write and record nobody knows Everybody tells you where to go You bump into somebody You bumped in two years ago Something went and changed Set the moon out on her hair Or maybe it's just Texas We just, we thought Fort Worth was good enough to put on this record and two, back, you know, three years ago when we were putting all these songs together, I didn't have a, a huge, you know, bunch of songs to pull from. So, you know, we, we felt like it was good enough to make, to make the cut and we kind of needed, you know, a, an extra song maybe to, 10 would have been cool, but 11's better. A secret to writing love songs especially when it's about like other people man <laughs> sometimes it's 
I, there's no secret, I, at least that I, I know, because some of these are really challenging, especially when, like, when they give you hardly any any background information. <laughs> like some people, uh, I mean, we have this whole thing that they fill out. I mean, because anything can turn into a hook. I mean, any little nickname or, or you know, an eye color. I mean, and sometimes, man, they're just, they're not, there's not a lot there. I don't know, maybe it makes that easier. Sometimes you just write really vague lyrics. Did you ever have a couple that was just really weird? Like they just had some weird details? I had a song I wrote for instead of about them, they wanted it about their dogs. <laughs> so I, I had this song. It's probably never going to be released to the public ever, but it, it's about their two uh, chihuahuas. That was probably uh, the weirdest <laughs> one I've done. That sounds fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was kind of fun. For a little skinny glass of me Ring the bells for the lovers on Main Street I think the man on the moon has been listening Even shining Coming up next, we dig more into recording the album, breaking bottles, and guitar solos. Right after this break. KOSU has a podcast to bring you news on what's happening in the state of Oklahoma. The KOSU Daily includes local headlines. State Impact reporters will bring us the latest on education, health care, and criminal justice. And we have news focusing on agriculture and rural issues, as well as indigenous affairs. You can subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The KOSU Daily, Oklahoma News, every weekday. How does the songwriting process go from you to like the rest of the band? Do you bring in like a demo that you like have everyone else listen to, or are you guys all in the same room kind of jamming things out? I think I think we're kind of bringing that element into it more. Mostly uh, the former. I usually bring in you know some sort of outline that I already have. Uh, but like I said, the first one, a lot of it was already written and structures were already in place uh, on this this next group of songs. It, it's definitely a lot more collaborative for sure. Yeah. So what is it like for uh, you guys like uh, Gabriel, Ryan, like when Jason brings in like this kind of skeleton? Um, it's great. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've been in other projects where um, you, you're, you're writing from the ground up in the room and that's cool too. It just takes a lot longer and you've got five people that have five different ways they see a song going. Um, creatively, it feels amazing when you're there from the get go and you're like, starts with something besides like a vocal and a guitar, but, um, it can be so tedious and time consuming and, and just really difficult to get a final product that everybody likes. Um, that I personally, at this stage of life and in bands and stuff, um, I like that there's something there concrete. And Jason's not the type of guy that's like, this is it. And now, you know, we're, we're, we're building off of this and this is the final thing. It's like, everything is always up for debate. So um, I love him bringing an idea and then it, it sparks sometimes more creativity. 
I love that too. Dude, for me, Taylor is just such a badass that I'm just like, you just let your mind go wild and I'll play whatever parts you come up with. I remember on like the first record, though, like Jason and I like working on the stone, just like as an acoustic guitar and like a mandolin, um, like in his son's bedroom, and then watch it like form into this like full out kind of rock song. Johnny joined the army, signed up to fight the terrorists. Now he can't put down the terrorists in his mind. Took a rank, took a belly full of bullet weight. Now takes a pint of gin to sleep at night. Suffering Eyes, the, the rhythm. I mean, we've we've played that like so many different ways. Yeah, I just like to let Taylor grip it and rip it. guys have many discussions together about like sound like type of sound type of feel that you guys want to like kind of go for yeah absolutely i think on this new one we're working on we want to make it a lot more rhythmic it's stuff that people groovy and people can like dance to that wasn't something really in the top of our mind on the first one i mean they're still like groovy songs but i think that's just like at the front of everyone's mind is just that groove. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe stuff more, uh, more crowd friendly as, as far as like, you know, singable and inner like stuff that they can interact with more too, you know, making, I come from a worship background and the reason worship music is so powerful is you don't even have to know it. You can come in and, and start singing something. A lot of it's, you know, sometimes repetitive or just simple. You know, I think um, trying to get a, a few tunes like that in the mix or crowd anthem stuff and rock and roll. Yeah, the the album kind of runs a gambit of sounds, at least to my ears. I mean, like in the offing is like this kind of hard, almost kind of bluesy um, rock and roll song. And then there are some songs that are a lot more ballady. Like that's kind of why I asked, like, if you guys go for like a certain kind of sound, at least production wise, it's seems like the instrumentation is all kind of like this really nice kind of faded like kind of feeling i don't know if that's right but mm. thank you yeah thanks for saying that. i think there definitely is a, um, a blend of uh, a bunch of different vibe songs that i because i think we're still trying to figure out where we're going to end up as, as the collective like um i won't say genre but where our sound's going to be but i think like we said earlier taylor as a producer did a great job of taking those seemingly sometimes different songs and putting a production around it that made them feel like they were still cohesive. Um, like Jason said, some of these songs are 
you know, how many years old and then compared to a couple that were written closer to the recording them and releasing. So it's probably just really showing the progression um, of, of Jason's songwriting and then us putting our kind of stamp on it as well as a band. I think, yeah, I think. Go ahead, go ahead. You motherfucker, you cut me off one more time. <laughs> um, no, I think Castle Rock was, it was interesting because we hadn't played live together as like this group with Alberto and Taylor and everyone. I mean, we might've played like one or two shows together before we started recording. So it was just like literally us trying to find our sound going from when it was just Jason and I and a couple other members, there's more acoustic type of music. Um, and so I think this new one that we're kind of working on, we kind of know what we're going for more um, now that we're in the studio. And I'm, I don't know, Castle Rock was, yeah, just us trying to figure out, was like, what do we sound like together as a group? And yeah, I think we did a good job at kind of capturing that. Absolutely. Um, guys, I, I, hate to, I have to run. I'm sorry. Um, I apologize. Go put out your fire, buddy. Thank you, guys. Unacceptable. Thank you, Matthew. Bye. Appreciate it. Love yeah, you, no man. Worries. Thanks. All right. Now that he's gone, let's get to yeah, the real shit. About the <laughs> <room>. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it seems like at the end of this this record, at least, like, um, you guys kind of have honed in on what you really want to do as a as a collective. Yeah, I think so for sure. We've also played with each other a lot more now too. You know what I mean, and and learned how, how to work with each other in in a studio environment. Like I said, the Castle Rock was just such a piece part thing, and and there were you know a couple of Taylor and Alberta were brand new to this to this group. Uh, now we've just we've just been doing it long enough that we're we're moving quicker in the studio, and and the I think so far the demos we have are really cohesive. I guess you could say Castle, like the recording of Castle Rock is kind of a Castle Rock. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, that's it, baby. It's kind of like, uh, you know, one of those things we're going to look look back at, on, hopefully on a transformative and, and wild and time in our music making past. Well, the winter came soft frost in your eyes seasons they changed on your face were we ever in some or just headed for the fall that fire's been frozen in place you're are there any uh stories of recording some of these songs that you'd like to share like um you talked about how dramatic like the changes were from like the initial version that you guys had worked on to like when taylor came in yeah he really didn't affect transitions as much as just the sonic aspects um of a lot of the stuff that he did we already kind of like i said already had the outlines and the beds and he kind of just 
went in there and, and did everything on top. We of broke that. a couple plates and bottles for quitting time. Yeah. Which was fun. Taylor at, at Lunar Manor, they have this like big pit. Um, and I think, and you can hear it in the song. There's a part where like you hear stuff crashing and that was just Jason taking a plate and smashing it like 20 feet below on the pit and just, uh, just about that. breaking bottles and a contained area. We took, oh, uh, on uh, Sleeping Easy, there's a, in, in here, I've got stacks of old quarter-inch reel-to-reel tapes that have tent revivals and preaching and old Pentecostal, like, old stuff. See, no golden age, no utopia, not in the future, but sudden destruction of the world at Christ's second coming. We, we strung two reel-to-reel decks together because we had to transfer from quarter inch to a different speed to get it to translate, you know, into the, the mixer. <laughs> it just jankety, like real spinning. It was like an old tent revival speech or something. Yeah, I think I, it was like a camp or something, but it was, it's very old, like probably 60s, 70s. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the songs we'd get them to be like, okay, this is a good song. Now, how do we make this a little bit weirder? How do we add weird background noises to take it out from? I mean, me and Marianne, there's like whistling and footsteps. I like those little vignettes too at the front of songs. It's just like, you kind of, you don't know what's coming for the first listen. You know, it's like, they kind of just set up for, for the song. Well, I rode into Tucson's Arizona with my Marianne riding on my side. She was all done up in pearl, friends in Spanish leather, hell on wheels, the fastest tail off the Whitney assembly line. My Marianne is known from here to Abilene. Has she come? we try to kind of infuse these songs with just little, little nuggets that people could maybe not on the first listen totally hear, but maybe on the second pass through just kind of be like, Oh shit. I didn't hear that before. Well, I come to play You see my lady's never been no shown like a worship song to gabe and he's just like what no absolutely not i know him all too (laughs) do you think 
worship music gets like a bad rap. <laughs> you know, I'm sure some people don't like it. I, I personally still like there. There's some incredibly written worship songs. No, yeah, poetry, and also like you know, part of me misses that. There's nothing, you know, with, with leading worship. Like everybody is coming into that room. They didn't pay to get in there. Well, maybe they tithes to get in there, but they didn't pay to get in there. They can come with the same single purpose to to worship. It's not even about you. You know, you just get to be a part of this sort of organism. And I do miss that, like, because there's nothing like a, a big group of people all singing the same thing and like truly, you know, and P- we, we do that with live music, too. We just got to see the Punch Brothers uh, the other night and I had like the same goosebump feeling that I used to get. And I, I've had that on stage, too. I've like even looked at you and like I feel that feeling like I've felt before, but there's something that music yeah, yeah, does yeah. to people um, and, and worship music. It's just easier to access that that with people and in people you know what i mean if that if that makes sense i i don't i don't hate worship music at all i've been walking around singing a worship song the other day yeah yeah i think good music's good music a good melody is a good melody good hooks good hooks baby do you find yourself like still kind of thinking of music from what you had listened to first like just thinking of music from like a worship kind of song perspective yeah, I've definitely given that critical thought. Um, even in some of the new writing that we're, we're doing, I was talking earlier about maybe writing more simply in a way in a way that someone who hadn't even heard this song, if they were there for a show, could could pick up on it and it would you know sit with them just because of the familiarity or, or the easiness of, of the chorus or something like that. Um, from, a, from a critical you know, point of view, I've definitely been looking at why those songs are so powerful and maybe how to translate that into what, what the high heat and myself are doing. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get, you know, like hands up like that or anything, but I do <laughs> want people to remember and leave there with, you know, maybe singing the songs. And I think they do that already. I'm not knocking ours. Just how do, how do we keep building on, on that? Mm-hmm. Get, getting the stuff to stick. I think I might just go through the song list and see if there's anything you guys would like to add. A Little Good Music seems like kind of related to you not listening to a lot of secular music. You you name drop like, what's his name? George Benson? George Benson, yeah. Oh, yeah. never heard of him before but when i looked him up i was like oh wow this is like a a real funk like musician (laughs) so good that actually is like someone i just discovered when i when i first got out of church again i was just like listening to anything i could and that's something that me and my wife like i've got a couple vinyls and we would spin i I would play that record and dance around with the kids or whatever kind of something I found on my own and was just very early on after my exit it was like something that we were listening to a lot as a family or a couple dude George Benson's so good oh I'm talking about groove give me the night give me the night give me the action I'm 
sorry, Gabe, remind me again, uh, what instrument do you play? The guitar, right? Yeah, yeah, guitar. Is there a sound that you're thinking of when you're playing like these songs? Like, uh, is there a certain type of band or guitarist? Well, my favorite guitarist is this dude named Julian Lodge. Um, I play nothing like him and will never be able to come anywhere close. But I don't know, for like guitar, I like stuff that sounds messed up. Like there's some Dr. Dog solos that just aren't solos. They're just like kind of the guitarist making noise. And I think that's a lot cooler than just like a basic blues solo over a song um i just like stuff that's interesting to listen to and kind of like is familiar i mean it's not just like noise but that just kind of like hits you at first and you're like kind of feel weird you're like what is this and then get to like over time and i listen to phoebe bridgers exclusively i want that to be known <laughs> in every interview stan phoebe bridgers yes absolutely but yeah, and I and I think Taylor kind of takes the same approach to like guitaring, just making interesting sounds because so many stuff has been done before, you know, so many, I mean, how many different ways can you play a 12-bar blues solo? Um, and so just kind of taking that and just fucking it up. We explicitly, during making Castle Rock, we're like, we don't want to have a record where you know the next solo that's like every other kind of country red dirt thing. You, you know, here comes the solo. And then we, we, we explicitly were, were wanting to add sounds and textures that weren't typical country. Yeah, I want to I wanna cringe during a solo. I want to laugh. I want to cry. I want to do things we're not going to talk about. Um, <laughs> Yeah, what's your favorite solo that you did on this uh, album? All of them. I did every single one. Write that down. I played every single guitar solo, and if anyone says anything different, they're lying to you. Um, I'm not sure. Well, my favorite is just the Quit in Time solo, and I didn't play that. That was Taylor. I love your solo on Fort Worth. Thanks, baby. And then the solo like on um, A Little Good Music is very Nels Klein, and that was definitely... You know, Taylor, again, just kind of influencing that from Wilco. He's a guitar player. unexpected sounds coming from kind of just more traditional songs yeah i can i can definitely see the unexpected element because i like in the offing i get stir crazy when my rock won't roll 
goes so hard but then when the solo comes in it's like a little bit offbeat or like a, a different kind of mood comes in you would expect like that kind of bluesy like solo to come in yeah it's a little gospel man getting gone 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 in the audience i think that for me just be more of a focus on the, the next record just because it's hard sometimes when you're sitting in the studio you're just like fuck i just need to get something done like how many times can i retake a guitar solo but just kind of sit down more and just be like okay our, our buddy congo played bass on that song actually that's the, the one song ryan ryan didn't play bass on um and when you get to that solo on the second half dude when he starts doing the boom 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 boom, boom like the whole run to me is just gospel as mm -hmm. it, it may it turns that front half and, and that second half just gone, gone, gone in the it's just like this the whole time and, and when he comes in with that walk and it just feels like church a little bit Oh, yeah, that song was kind of missing that. And once Kongwa recorded that, where it was like, yeah, that's it. to ask a little bit about Cleveland County Line actually because uh, that's that's where I grew up I was young dumb as I was young I swore I would never be the man I was becoming I told my mom um, is that kind of based on moving back to, to Oklahoma is that where you kind of uh, were living yeah, I live in more now um, and have for some, for a, you know the last 12, 14 years, something like that. You know, the song's just kind of a prodigal son story, so I think there's definitely elements of of me in it and Cleveland County Line just happened to rhyme, so, <laughs> or the leave-in in Cleveland. And I live here, so uh, it's anybody's story. Instead of dying from the needle and the damage done, I want to go. Websites uh, JS and the high heat.com, and you can get to any social media from there. Uh, Jason Scott Music on Instagram, and um, stay tuned and follow us on in any of those areas, and uh, we'll uh, keep you updated. Thanks again to Jason, Ryan, and Gabriel. You can find those links for Jason Scott and the high heat at kosu.org. There, you can also find a list of the songs that were played in this episode. Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU and the service of Oklahoma State University. Editor is Ryan McCroy, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. 
You can find songwriters and tour writers wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Viriapa. And the Savior's hand I'll send 10,000 angels down To take me home again I wanna go back